Let's turn to Matthew chapter 27 and verse 37 that we've covered extensively, while other portions of scripture in relation to this. He said over, over his head, his accusation written, this is Jesus, King of the Jews. The question we asked and answered in many Old and New Testament portions, is he King of the Jews? Yes, he will be. They rejected him, but he will be King of the Jews. And uh, what I've written, I've written, is what Pilate said. They wanted him to take that down. And the Lord wanted that left up there, even working through Herod for that. Then there, then were two thieves crucified with him, the one on the right hand and the other on the left. It's um, Matthew's changing subjects abruptly, as you see that happening there in those verses. <clears throat> And reverts right back to the suffering Lord there on the cross. Whereas Luke, if we turn to Luke's gospel, chapter 23 now. So we've seen the prosecution of the Lord. He is arrested, accused, assaulted, assassinated. We've seen the soldiers in the scene, the carrier of the cross, Simon of Cyrene, the cups of the cross, we did a separate study on that, the crucifixion on the cross, the clothing below the cross and the citation above the cross. And there we see the criminals alongside the cross, one on each side of the Lord being crucified. And so we've gone now to Luke's Gospel, chapter 23 and verse 30, 39. And we read, and one of the malefactors who was hanged railed at him saying if thou be the Christ save thyself and us but the other answering rebuked him saying dost not thou fear God seeing thou art in the same condemnation and we indeed justly for we receive the due reward of our deeds but this man hath done nothing amiss and he said unto Jesus Lord remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom and Jesus said unto him Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Wonderful words, isn't it? <laughs> There's so, so many things happen just all of a sudden like this, and then they're recorded for us, and now we can take comfort in, in a lot, lot of things. We don't have to work to get saved. <laughs> we don't have to get baptized to get saved. He didn't become a church member to get saved. <laughs> Because today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And so it answers a lot of questions to people that try to raise objections to being saved. By faith we are saved. Are we not? When we believe on the Lord Jesus. And so this is shown in this true story of what happened there. Let us pray. Thank you Lord for the wonderful truth that truth is contained here tonight. That you would bless it to our hearts. Lord, we see this man that was a thief, was a robber, was a wicked man, realizing he was going to die for the sins he committed, but saved at the last moment. And thank you, Lord, for the other testimonies we've had, even in our times, of souls that were saved at the last minute before they slipped out into eternity. And by faith they believed and confessed you. 
Thank you that you are gracious and merciful enough to save them even though they have a long history and record of sins in their life. Lord, as we who are saved maybe earlier, but still, Lord, we're saved from our sin. Bless this thought and these verses to us tonight. And pray that you'll be with Hewan now as he recovers from the operation and from the accident. Lord, uh, commit him into your hands and be with the family also as they think through things that have happened. Minister for your glory in and through each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Yes, almost 2,000 years ago, in about 10 years' time, an angry mob persuaded Pilate to have Jesus to be crucified. He and two others with, with them were led out of the city of Jerusalem and to the top of the hill Calvary. <clears throat> and if you ever get the opportunity, if it arises... Go visit the place. On top of this hill, three crosses were lifted between heaven and earth. And it doesn't say that the things that happened to the Lord before he was taken to that the hill Calvary happened to the other two. But he had been whipped, he had been beaten, he'd been spat upon, his beard had been plucked off, he'd been treated very shamefully slapped and beaten, mocked before he was put on the cross. And it's a ghastly scene. People passing by saw them. If they were new in Jerusalem, they wouldn't have known as just another three men as they looked at the three crosses. But as we look at the three crosses, we usually fix our attention on the centre cross because on there is the person that paid for our redemption. There he was suffering at for our sins, as we noticed this morning. <clears throat> on that day, the people who passed by just saw three men on three crosses, and there may have been others. The Romans did this on many occasions, and I believe it was at, on 70 AD when they sacked Jerusalem, when they surrounded the place, there was not a tree left standing what they did to the people of Jerusalem. And that's why Jesus said in chapter 23 and 37 of, of Matthew, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee, how often I would have gathered you together as a hen gathers the chickens, but you would not. And he wept over Jerusalem because he knew what was coming. And the disciples asked him in the next chapter, in the first couple of verses, when shall these things be? And he told them, of the future things when the Son of Man comes, but Luke had told, told, tells us that, you know, when Titus, when this Roman, when you see Jerusalem compassed about with armies, and it's said that there were no Christians in Jerusalem when Titus did that. They'd all gone. They took heed to the word. They left. Um, <clears throat> so there was, a, it was a terrible time over in Jerusalem. It's, it, it's been a city that has been sacked and raided probably more than any city in the world. When the Australians went in with the English there back in the Second the First World War, not a shot was fired. Incredible, a miracle, really. The, the, the Turks that had taken it and kept it for many hundreds of years heard who was coming and they took off. The Lord moved them to move out. 
because they weren't, and, and, and they'd been told, the soldiers had been told, don't fire in Jerusalem. <laughs> but many other times it had been taken and, and, and had been sacked and, and ruined by many different people. Many different people. It, it's on the crossroads. <laughs> you cop it when you're in the middle. You get Babylon coming down to fight Egypt, and what do they do on the way? Well, they just plunder and take whatever loot they can from places they go. They have to feed themselves on the road. They don't have what we have today. And so this is a, another a picture of a terrible crime happening here right in Jerusalem. We're just, well, just outside, just north. In some respects, these three crosses are alike. All men of these three suffered agonizing pain, raging thirst, nakedness and shame. What a difference in the three persons. We, we will find ourselves in one of these men. We won't cover them all tonight, but as we go through them. One man is dying in sin, the dying sinner. One man is dying for sin, and one man is dying to sin. Hmm. Let's notice the first one, the dying sinner. In verse 39, <clears throat> We see, first of all, his rebellion. One of the malefactors who were hanged railed at him. Rebellion has been the arch enemy of man since Eden. What did they do in the Garden of Eden? They rebelled. They disobeyed. God had said, don't eat. And the serpent tempted them and they ate. And Eve not, I'm going to say innocently, but naively. Adam chose. Adam knew what he was getting into. There on, and in his rebellion against God's command there in Eden. But go back before that, before Eden, there was another rebellion, wasn't there? And that is Satan, the arch enemy of God, created to be perfect in beauty and all the power that he had and the position that he had, he rebelled and fell from his position. And tell me what portion of scripture you go to to find his rebellion. Ezekiel and the other one, Isaiah. Isaiah 14 and then Ezekiel 28. I will. <laughs> and that has been the problem with man. Ever since Adam and Eve, I will. It's a rebellion, it's a stubbornness, it's a determination to do the opposite. How hard is it to teach your children to do what's right? Is it easy to teach them to do what's wrong or what's right? Parents? <laughs> they naturally do what's wrong. You have to persuade them gently more persuasively <laughs> and sometimes through discipline to do what's right you and I as adults have got the same we, we can cover it a bit better than the kids they just out with it but I will not <laughs> you know the old reverse psychology that we try to use on our children and try to <laughs> that might work sometimes you say don't do it and they'll do it <laughs> but uh, that's trying to help the old nature along 
They just need to be told not to and don't do it. We've all got stories of our children, and I won't bring them up again. (laughs) When they were told not to do something and they did it, and the consequences, you can ask them after it. They've probably all got their own story. Has anyone else got a story of, of dad and mum told me not to do it, I went ahead and did it, and I suffered the consequences? Too many stories, did you say? <laughs> we all have been there. Hey, we've got, yeah, I see you smiling. We've all got our story, haven't we? When we did it or our children did it. And, and often God will bring the consequences. To, to teach these little ones. Isn't it a lot easier to learn when you're little than when you get older and, and more stubborn, saying, I rebel? You know, it goes and carries right on through into salvation, even. In 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 17, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 17, it reads, For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end of them that obey, obey not the gospel of God? If, if God's going to judge us, <laughs> what about those people that do not obey the gospel? Here is a man that's rebellion, rebelling against the Prince of Glory, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. <clears throat> He's disobeyed the truth. The other chap knew. The other chap told him. The other uh, criminal on the cross on the other side of the Lord. They could hear each other. They were close enough to be able to hear each other. They could get enough breath to talk like they did at this time. And so this man is dying because of his rebellion. All he had to do was believe on the Lord Jesus as the other, the other thief did. How did he arrive at the cross, this criminal, this rebellion, this re- rebel? Well, perhaps he had started rebelling when he was only a young child with his parents. And I know that each child is different. Every child that's born is different. You know that in your family. And some are softer to discipline and respond early and soon. Some are harder. And it takes a bit more persuading them. But maybe this chap, when he was young, was a rebel. He rebelled against his parents. He rebelled against his teachers. He rebelled against his society. He rebelled against God. And do we have stories of that every day in our news? Yep. And the consequences? Yep. He rebelled against the Old Testament, the Bible they had, the civil law. Let's go back to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 21. We're talking about Jewish society. The law still was in effect when this man lived. Deuteronomy, chapter 21, and verse 18. And if a man have a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother and that when they have chastened him he will not hearken unto them so they've done what they could to keep him on the track on the right pathway on the straight and narrow then shall his father and his mother lay hold on him and bring him out unto the elders of the city unto the gate of his place. And they shall say unto the elders of the city, This our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice, 
He is a glutton and a drunkard. And all the men of the city shall stone him with stones that he die. So shalt thou put away evil from among you, and all Israel shall hear and fear. They say punishment is not a deterrent. What did the Bible just say in that last verse? <laughs> all Israel shall hear and fear. Now, we're not going to do this in our society today. <laughs> there are some societies that do. You lose your hand, your finger, and other things. But they're not following the scripture. Now this is Old Testament. Remember, this is for the Jewish people. I don't, don't, don't bring your, don't bring your son or daughter to us, and we're going to have a stoning. No, we're not going to do that. We certainly will pray for them, and we'll certainly urge you to keep on disciplining them. And um, it's like a, it's like a, a challenge of wills, isn't it? They determine not to, and you determine to, and they determine, and and the bar rises each time, in in with the young ones like that and this man got to the point of no return he this young man and he wasn't going to and and it did put away evil from israel if they followed that that stopped rebels did you hear about johnny well i'm sorry uh what's the name that's not here but did you hear about what happened to him when he rebelled against mum and dad and what happened in, and how he was taken to the elders of the city and they would hear and they would fear listen we are humans. We are God's handiwork. We're made in his image. He has given everything for us that he can for us to come to himself. But men keep on rebelling against God. The world keeps rebelling against God. There's going to be a massive stoning one day, as it were, because men will not follow. What do we call it? The prodigal planet that we live on. Because men keep on rebelling and, keep on, and, and societies and nations keep on going against God, he's got, because he's a holy God, he's got to bring justice to pass. And it will be a terrible time to live on earth. But it's going to happen. God's going to bring it to a, in his, in, in his universe, he's going to bring it to a close. He created it and he's going to stop the rebellion. He gave free will, but men have to be brought into line that won't submit. The world is full of rebellious people. I will live it my way. And they sing songs about it now. I'll do it. I did it my way. I'll do it my way. <clears throat> Second Timothy chapter 3 describes the last generation. And we touched on that. I think we mentioned that in the adult class this morning. There that in the last days, this will be the type of society that there is. Rebellious people everywhere. And again, that goes along with the portion in Peter that we read about disobeying the gospel, the second Thessalonians chapter one, verse eight and nine, that also speaks about those that re disobey the gospel, disobey, rebel against the good news. And, and as was said after the morning service, why do people not believe? Why do people not believe? This type of rebellion has filled our jails with people. They keep on having to build more jails because of rebellion and when they get in they seem to be even hardened even more against it and and so we give them televisions and we give them a comfortable bed and we don't make it hard for them in jail because that would make them offend more when they got out i don't think so but that's what they say so huh. our hospitals our grave graves are filled graveyards are filled with people that have rebelled not no, hey listen we're all going to die <laughs> 
But those that have deliberately rebelled against God, God knows and has taken those that have done that. And so we see his rebellion. Are you rebelling or are you humbly submitting to God who has all authority and he, he deserves it because we, we, we give him our allegiance because we love him and because he loved us and gave us what he has. And so we see, secondly, he's railing in verse 39, back in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23 and verse 30, 39, the second part. One of the malefactors were hanged, railed at him, saying, If thou be the Christ. He railed at who? He mocked who? He ridiculed and derided who? The Lord Jesus Christ. This is the railing that was cast out of his mouth. This is some of the last words he ever said. For these he will pay and has been paying dearly since. He called the Lord an imposter, a pretender. Why do people rail on the Lord Jesus Christ when he's done what he has? Why do they rail on him who loves them so? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God created us. He created the world for us to live in, that we might richly enjoy all his blessings. He sent his son to be our saviour. Why rail on the Lord? He cares for us daily. He provides for us. In this, in this, last, in this generation in which we live, it might be the last, who knows, but in this generation, God has seen fit to give people the ability to invent things that we can now feed seven-something billion people. They couldn't have done that before. There's no way that the world could be fed with the, with the old, you know, um, the farming where they did it in times past without the mega machines they've got. But God has allowed that to happen. And the more people have been, been coming, the more people are saying no. And they rail on the Lord. What, what do men do when something goes wrong? Unsaved people do when something goes wrong. But they don't believe in God. But they blame God. Where, where was God when this happened in my life? He who blessed the children, the Lord Jesus, fed the multitudes, healed the sick, he's being railed at on the cross. He who sends blessings on the sinner and the saint alike and daily loadeth us with benefits, said the psalmist, is being railed on. He railed on his railing on Jesus shows the enmity of the heart of man, the old wicked heart. In Romans 8, 7, we read this morning, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Are there only a few that rail on the Lord, that accuse him when things don't go right? No, there's a whole multitude. There's many, many people do that. And we'll see that in, in, in tonight when we close. In chapter 1 of Romans and verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because the, the, they've got the truth, but they hold it unright. They don't count it. They don't believe it. They don't trust in the Lord. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. God has even written it in our hearts. <laughs> To, to know that there is a God, to believe that he is there, 
and that he loves us and provides for us. God has written, he's shown it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. What things? Creation. What other things? And in, in, Well, in creation, the small little things, the DNA and all the cells and all the things that are working so well. And how they reproduce themselves and how they keep us alive. And it's all happening without our knowledge. But now we know about these things. And these people, these rebels, these that rail on the Lord Jesus Christ and the scientists that rail on the Lord will give an account because they knew some details and they had to say, this cannot evolve. <laughs> this could not be like it is without the hand of a designer without a creator bringing this to pass. You know, they don't say they got their Mercedes-Benz from the junkyard. It just evolved out of there. But the human body is so much more complex than any machine that man has made, yet they say it evolved from, from a swamp or whatever they try to say. It just isn't true. And they are without excuse. As they stand before God, you saw my handiwork. If you're a doctor or you're a specialist in some way, you saw my handiwork. Why didn't you look into it? Why didn't you believe the gospel? Why didn't you find out who made this, this thing work? <laughs> All these little motors in our body, millions of them, <laughs> that, are, that are making us tick every day. They're cleaning out all the junk and everything else that goes on. I praise the Lord, I don't know all that and, and it works well I, so far. <laughs> Until it starts breaking down when you get older, as we read somewhere to, today. Railing on Jesus shows the enmity of the natural heart against God. Man has mocked at the virgin birth. Man mocks at the virgin birth. They laugh at miracles. Miracles. Show us. This thief was saying that. Get me down off this cross, if you be God. He'd shown them the flood. He'd done that to them. They had a record of these things. And not only in Israel, but the, the record of the flood, of Noah's flood, with people being saved in a boat, was in many of the cultures, like in Babylon, they have there the record of these things. In China, they have it. You see, it's not like people are ignorant and they mock at the thought. And what will they do today? They'll still mock at the thought. Though they're digging it up everywhere, all around the world, all the time, they still mock at the thought. Did I share with you what um, Pastor Buddy said the other day when we were travelling in the car somewhere? He said, it's interesting to notice that there is a layer of sediment that's below all layers that hasn't got any bones and dead things in it. He said, where did that come from? Was it in church I said that? Yeah. Okay. Must have been Wednesday night. It's like number one. <laughs> uh, three times. <laughs> With that. <laughs> but, hey, <clears throat> where did it come from? If you weren't here Wednesday nights, you see. You'll have to come Wednesday night. <laughs> no, it, remember when God created the world and it was covered with water. And then the next day the dry land appeared and moved up and the water moved off. And what happens when then? Well, sediments move. Because water, ground underwater gets very muddy. I've been there a lot of times where the bulldozer very muddy until you dig it down another two feet, 600 to a metre, and then you turn to solid again. 
but it all run off. No sediments, no animals yet. And then the flood added all the other. And sometimes these are kilometres thick with all these sediments. Yet the unsafe people, the scientists digging them up, say they were buried slowly. Impossible. Jellyfish without a bone in their body are buried and preserved. Squid are preserved. And so they are without excuse. Yet they mock at the thought of a flood, but the evidence is all around the world in every country on the highest hill to the lowest valley. You've got it everywhere. One day the world's going to wake up that God is. And you could read on in the book of Romans all through chapter 1. They, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. Why? They don't want to submit to the authority of God over them. They maybe never learnt that when they were young people in their families and they will not learn it when they grow older. They stubbornly resist that. They became vain in their imaginations. Their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise. Oh, this sounds like a current generation in, science, in the scientist field where they know it and see it but won't believe it. They make every, every excuse to say, no, God didn't do it. Professing themselves to wise, they become fools and change the glory of the incorruptible God into an image like corruptible man. Four-footed beasts and creeping things. They worship the creature more than the creator. <clears throat> man has mocked the virgin birth, Noah's flood, the miracles, the truths of God's word, and they just are railing on the Lord. This man said, if thou be the son of God... <laughs> This shows unbelief. And Satan used this, these very words on the Lord Jesus when he was tempting him in Matthew 4 and verses 3 and 6. Not the third time, but the first two temptations in verse 3 and 6. If thou be the Son of God. If thou be the Son of God. Uh, <clears throat> and tempting the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord gave him an answer from Scripture each time. Ask the stars that marked his birth and the place of his birth, who he is. And what will they say? He is the Son of God. Ask the sun which refused to shine on that day who this is. And it will say, the Son of God. I'm nothing. I'm just a created entity. He is the Son, the real Son. Ask the lepers... Ask the dead. Ask the sick people who were healed of their illnesses. And what will they say? <laughs> he is the Son of God. Hear them all saying, He is the Son of God. Ask the Apostle Peter, because he was asked that question. Who do, who do you men say that I am? And some say this and some say the other. Then he said to, the Lord said to him, But who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And what did Peter say? <laughs> Thou art the son of the living God. What do you say? And what do we say? Do you say he is the son of God? <clears throat> this man said, save thyself and us. Save me that I can go out and steal some more. <laughs> he wanted to be saved from his suffering, but not from his sin. So many people will have that. When they get in a tight predicament in their physical body, in their mortal life, save me and I'll believe on you. 
<laughs> and they forget, like the butler and the baker. Made a promise to Joseph, I'll remember you. But he didn't until it was prompted. This man wanted to be delivered from the consequences of his sin. The other man said, we're on here justly. But he didn't want to be cured and delivered from the cause of his sin, only from the consequences of his sin. This is a band-aid approach, isn't it? Because we need to fix the things that are eternal. We see his retribution there. <clears throat> the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And this is his retribution. He was punished for his sin justly and indeed so as Luke and others said so. <clears throat> Looked at him steeped in his sin. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Hardened with hatred. And many people live life long enough to get hard and harder and harder. <clears throat> with, with machines, I know it's the case because I've got one. <laughs> and the more you work the machine, the longer it works, it becomes, the steel becomes hardened. And sometimes it just can break. A major part can just break. A chassis can break. It, it, you get old. You just break easy. <laughs> and it becomes work-hardened, they say. Work-hardened through going through many. And so it is with the heart of men. They become harder and harder and harder as they go through the experiences of life and they blame God for so many things. And this is what the Hebrews did in the, in the wilderness, isn't it? In Hebrews chapter 3. Let's turn there because it warns us not to be like them and grow hard. This man suffered retribution because he had hardened his heart against, the, against God and was accusing the Lord here. In Hebrews chapter 3, <clears throat> and we read at verse 7, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith today, if you will hear his voice, what, not, what we shouldn't do is harden your hearts as in the provocation in the day of trial, or temptation in the wilderness. Don't do what they did in hardening their hearts. When our fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works 40 years. And what is amazing that one day that God judged people and opened up the earth and swallowed them up and they went down screaming in it, closed up on them. And you know, the very next day, other rebels come forward to rebel. He said, how hard can you get? When God has already shown what he thinks of the rebels. In verse 13 of chapter 3, But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be what? Hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. And we might be deceived by sin and we don't even know it in our own lives. Let's provoke one another. Let's exhort one another not to do this. Verse 15, While it is said today, if you'll hear his voice, what shouldn't we do like this man on the cross did? Harden not your hearts as in the provocation. And it goes into chapter 4 as well. Your sin will catch up with you, won't it? We are suffering the penalty. We, according to Galatians 6, 7 and 8, we reap what we sow. This man was reaping what he sowed. He was being paid and punished for it. How many of our courts are filled with criminals that know they're criminals but are denying that that's the truth? If they could just say, yes, I did it. Confess up to it. 
and save the, the whole society a lot of effort put in by judges and so forth. And so he's suffering the penalty of his crime. Admit it. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you. Your sin, yes, will catch up with you. If not now, you see, people think, ah, I've got away with it. And then 10 years later, now, now they've got the DNA, haven't they? <laughs> and they have had, they've kept samples from 10, 20, 30 years ago. And now they can pull that out of the rack, test it, and find the culprit was there on, on the crime scene. And, they can, and they're putting people in jail. Unsolved crimes are being solved by that. And it, their sin catches up with them. But all their life they've had to live with that thought. Looking over their shoulder. Is the policeman going to catch up? And I can imagine each time they see one, is he coming for me? <laughs> their thought would be. <clears throat> the sin catches up with us. If not now, in the future, it will. Whereabouts? Well, on Judgment Day. On Judgment Day, their sin will catch up. Thousands have died and are dying on the cross of the dying sinner that we see tonight. Thousands upon thousands. This is the condemnation that light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Hebrews 11, we won't... Yeah, well, I'm right there. Let, let's read that one, 11, 26 to 32. 10, 10 26, there it is. And 10.26, for if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, and this unsaved man on this cross knew it, a dying sinner, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for a judgment and fiery indignation. It will catch up with you if you're secretly sinning or if you're sinning and haven't confessed. If you're a sinner and haven't believed, it's a certain fearful looking for a judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. It's a fearful thing, in verse 31, to fall into the hands of a living God. Now we're talking about funerals this week and the exorbitant cost of funerals. And I listen to them because it, it, I might be able to help people out in getting the right, whatever, director. <laughs> they say in Australia, 150,000 people die a year. That's, what, that's how many died last year. In 2018, that's 411 a day. That's one every three and a half minutes. Australians die and go out into eternity. But think of on a world basis, there's 7 billion people plus and climbing quickly. There's only 4 billion when I was a kid. Now there's 7. And it's climbing quickly. But people are dying. And all these people in the 70, 80 years, if you work it out over 80 years, are going to die. And that's 166 people per minute. 166 per minute. That's 2.7 every second. In the length of this sermon, you can start working that out. How many people have gone at 9,988 into eternity? What percentage of them were Christians that have died in the hour of our sermon? Maybe 2%. All of those others have died in their sin. And are now facing judgment. Nine, probably 9,900 of those have died in their sin. And have now just realised. It's too late. Can't change it. I'm reaping what I've sowed. I've died in my sin. 
They'll, they'll be like the rich man that died and, and looks over and, and sees Lazarus and Abraham, in Abraham's bosom and says, deliver me from this. Deliver me. Del- cool my tongue. Too late. They've died in their sin. How many of our friends are unsaved and are going to die in their sin? Like this man on the cross. How many of our family are lost in their sin and are going to die in their sin unless they repent? There's an awesome job for the Christians, isn't there? Multitudes and multitudes of people. That many. You say, well, it's too big. I give up. No, not too big for God. As we do our part in our (coughs) part of the vineyard, in where we are and the sphere of influence we have on people, we can have an effect through God working through us in sowing the seed. Keep sowing the seed. Don't, don't tire as a, a Christian farmer in sowing the seed. It will, it will bring forth. The, the Lord said, you haven't sown vainly. What is it? I can't get the verse, won't come to me. Mind there, but it, it, you, know, you, you will be rewarded and it will bring forth fruit. And for people that it falls on, as it were, it falls on deaf ears. Don't, it's not falling on deaf ears. You know, in, in ch- children's ministries, when you're teaching the young people, the most rebellious kid in the class, clowning around, distracting everybody else. When you ask the questions at the end of the lesson, you know who knows all the answers? That guy. He wasn't listening. You thought he wasn't listening. But he heard the message. He can answer that. We've had a few bright kids like that in, through the cl- classes and different things at times. You never know. They might be listening. Your relatives are looking at you. They're listening with their eyes as they see you go to church, as they see the stand you take. You've given them tracks and you say, oh, they just threw them away. Ah, the message is in. It won't, that's the word, it won't return void. It won't return void. Keep sowing the seed because there's multitudes that are dying in their sin that need not to. And we'll look at the other, the dying saviour and the dying saint in the, in the next time we get together and looking at the crosses. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the promise to this dying um, sinner that became a saint by faith. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And wouldn't it be wonderful? But Lord, in the meantime, let us be faithful, obedient Christians. That we might be soul winners, seed sowers until you come. Through our life and through our mouth. Through the testimony we live and give around. I ask your blessing on the seeds that have been sown here and everywhere that we have an influence in our workplaces, in our schools, through our missionaries. May the Lord you bring forth fruit. We sow, you save. Lord, it's your business and you are in control. You're the great husbandman looking over it all. I ask your blessing for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.